Hey everyone, welcome to episode 78, Healing Old Wounds in Current Time. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. My intro just sounded so happy and it's such a heavy topic, but I think the more we can be light and fluffy around this topic, the more we can kind of be empowered by it versus I'm the victim, I should have had a better childhood, my parents messed up, it's all doom and gloom. When we know that no child is supposed to have a perfect childhood and you can learn from examples and you can learn from non-examples and you can also see your parents as being human and a product of their upbringing, then it all makes so much more sense. You realize that it has nothing to do with you and your worthiness and your value and your lovability. That is probably my biggest takeaway that I want you to get from this episode and also this podcast in general is that other people's opinions of you, they're not fact. It's the way they see their life through their eyes and they're projecting how they feel about themselves onto you. Now, when you're little, you don't know this. If you go back and listen to the episode called Your Parents Lied to You, it's kind of a jarring title, but it also lets you know that your worthiness and your value does not come from your parents' opinion of you. Because if it did, what would that mean about people who feel differently than your parents did and do about you? So I love this quote. You know, I'm a quote addict. And I also know when I post quotes and they resonate with you, that's when I know it's a topic. It's like ding, ding, ding. And there was such a huge response to your parents lied to you and also healing inner child wounds that I was like, all right, we're going to talk about how to heal old wounds in current time and how our brain is always trying to do it. Now listen to this quote. You ready? This is from Mindful Christianity Today. And this, it was on Instagram. They say, pain travels through family lines until someone is ready to heal it in themselves. By going through the agony of healing, you no longer pass the poison chalice onto the generations that follow. It is incredibly important and sacred work. This is when you get light and fluffy around your childhood and the messages that you received and the conditioning and the brainwashing that went on so you can have a little bit of authority over it and say, oh, well, that was what little girl, little boy inside of me understood. But now it's kind of like you got the big girl pants on, you got the big boy pants on, and you can see it from a different perspective. Because in the podcast episode about how your parents lied to you, how you are connected to something much higher, much greater, much more powerful than your parents. And then when you travel through their womb, you're coming through them, not from them. You don't see them as flawed individuals. You consider them to be that same higher source connection that you had before you traveled through the womb. And then you can kind of get some wiggle room around the old conditioning and old patterns and old thinking that you were thinking and didn't even know about it. And when you see yourself not in emotional childhood, but you see yourself in emotional adulthood, you're like, oh, I didn't have any control over the parent-child relationship the first time. But now if you're a parent, and most people that listen to the podcast are parents, but you don't have to be, you can still have some more authority 
seeing your childhood through your big people eyes, through your big girl pants, through your big boy pants. You can see them with adult glasses. And remember, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 80% of those will be negative or go to self-protection mode of not putting yourself out there, playing small, let's just go back in the cave. That's what the brain will do without mind management. And 90 to 95% of those thoughts are unconscious thoughts. Now, what are unconscious thoughts? Unconscious thoughts just means you've thought them so many times that you don't think about it anymore. And you need unconscious thinking because your brain will be exhausted if 100% of your life had to be all thinking consciously. It's good to have unconscious thoughts. There's not a good or a bad, it's just what is. And that's why babies and toddlers and school-aged children are so overwhelmed because 100% of their thinking is conscious thinking. They don't have any unconscious thoughts yet. They don't have any programming yet. They don't have any conditioning. That's why they get so overwhelmed and they need downtime and they need lots of naps and they need to decompress because the brain gets so overstimulated because it doesn't have any pathways. It's going down the ski slopes for the very first time every single stinking honking day. That's why you're like, just walk. It's not that difficult. But the reason why it's so difficult is because they're just learning what their fingers are. So think about all those brain synapses that are happening and it's on overdrive. And then when you become like 25, the brain's like, all right, we just rocked it out for 25 years. Let's just go on autopilot now and keep thinking those same thoughts we've thought for 25 years that were put there by somebody else by your teachers, by your coaches, by your parents, by society, by your peer group. And so you get to look back at your childhood with this sense of awe and wonder of like, wow, that was incredible what just went on. And it's all fiction. It's all based on the environment in which you were raised in. And there's no human that goes through childhood without any pain and suffering because pain is your greatest portal for growth. Now, what happens is... This is so fascinating. And I learned all of this from Dr. Jen Mann, who's one of my favorite psychotherapists. She was on Sirius XM years ago and I never missed an episode and she's not on anymore. So I'm just heartbroken about it. But during the time that she was on there, that's the only reason why I had Sirius at the time, she taught me about how we always are trying to heal old wounds in current time. So I've always asked you, whose love did you crave the most growing up? And what did you have to do for that love? Was it conditional? Was it unconditional? I want this podcast to be very much plug and play where you plug in the situation that you went through and then you play it out accordingly. So I really try to encourage you to think about your thinking and get some wiggle room on the thoughts and the conditioning and the messages that you were told as a child and how you understood it as a child when you were a child with your little eyes and your little brain. And I mean that in the sweetest way in your little heart, in your impressionable heart, how did you make sense of it all? Because a lot of times your parents meant one way, but then you took it on as another way because you were young, your brain wasn't developed, you were emotionally immature, so you might have taken something and made it mean something that it wasn't. And then that created a crystallized thought that you continue to repeat over and over and over. So I don't want you to look back at your childhood and say, I should have had different parents. I shouldn't have had that pain. I shouldn't have had this. I shouldn't have that. That is your greatest portal for growth is pain. And that sounds crazy, but no human enters this planet and doesn't have pain and struggling and suffering. It's part of the human experience. And everybody has it, sometimes at different times of their life, sometimes different severity. But when you know it's part of the human experience, then you can kind of like 
take a deep breath and know that your parents did the very best job that they could. And you, as a parent, if you're a parent now, you're doing the very best job that you can. And then it's all B minus and it takes the pressure off of you. I posted another quote, says, unhealed childhood trauma manifests itself as fixing others, people-pleasing, codependency, external validation needed, living on high alert, fear of abandonment, deprioritizing your own needs, need to prove themselves, tolerates abusive behavior, attracts narcissistic partners, and or difficulty setting boundaries. And so many of you reached out to me and said, I have all of those. I have 100% of those. The way that you thought that you needed to get love and get acceptance and get approval and get your value and your worthiness met was through doing for other people. So you took their thoughts about you as factual versus them projecting onto you. So what happens is when you have any type of childhood pain or trauma or suffering or angst as a child, which every child has, when you're young, you don't know what to do with that. You don't have any coping strategies. You don't have any way to make sense of this, that you don't even know that it's not normal. I was working with a mom and she said that she didn't know as a child that 10 beers a night from her dad wasn't normal. She just thought everybody did that. And then as she grew up, she's like, wait a minute, your dad doesn't drink 10 beers a night? I thought that was normal. I had another mom that she was raised that your room and the house, everything has to be spick and span at all times. And there's no room for error. The house and the room and the everything around it has to be tip top shape, A plus, no matter what. So she went into adulthood thinking the same thing until she got married and that that didn't happen. And she was like, whoa, what is going on? I thought this was the way of the world. And so what happens is when you have this trauma, stress, pain, anguish, suffering as a child, the child brain, the childlike brain doesn't know what to do with it. So it puts it in a little filing cabinet. I don't really know how to handle this 10 beers a night stuff and all this fighting that mom and dad are doing. I don't know what to do with it. Because remember, when you're seven, you think that's normal because you don't have anything to compare it against. It's the first time going down the ski slope and you're like, okay, this is the situation. Dads drink 10 beers a day and mom and dad fight a lot. That's normal because there's no sense of perspective and there shouldn't be. So nothing's gone wrong. So when you're experiencing this stress, trauma, pain, suffering, however you want to label it, the brain, the unconscious brain stores it in a filing cabinet. And it says, I don't really know what to do with all this stress. So I'm going to file it away and we'll deal with it later. Sometimes children file the pain and they stuff it and they close the drawer and they just say, I'm just going to be the perfect child so I don't have to get in anybody's way. Or they do the opposite. I'm going to act out an extremely loud way to break up some of this craziness because I don't know what else to do with it. So I'm just going to add insult to injury, flames to the fire, and join the reindeer games. Some kids go one way, some kids go the other way, but it's both a way of coping from it. Doesn't make one way wrong, doesn't make one way right. I've seen families where in the family, the brother will do one thing and the sister will do the other thing. Sometimes it has to do with, and I'm using 10 beers a night. Sometimes it's the mom drinking 10 beers a night and getting out of control. Sometimes it's the dad drinking 10 beers a night. And it depends on the gender. It depends on the age of the child. depends on who that child looks up to. So it can go either way. But it gets put in this filing cabinet and it's almost like it goes under the tab, I'll deal with you later. Gets stored there gets stored there years and years and years. Then there might be a breakup. There might be a divorce. Both might start drinking. But as a child, remember, you have no point of perspective. You have no point of reference. If this is normal, not normal, healthy, unhealthy, toxic, or just the regular day on a Tuesday. 
So it stores that pain, trauma, stress, suffering under the file folder, deal with you later. Gets stored there, we think it's normal, carry on. Well, the cool thing and the fascinating thing about the unconscious part of the brain, remember it's part of 95% of your thoughts after 25. The interesting part of the unconscious part of the brain is it doesn't know the difference between past, present, and future. So you could be 32 and that filing cabinet, it's like it happened today. So what happens is, because if it wasn't dealt with when you were a child, which most of the time it's not, because within the toxic family member, they don't know any different and they don't know how to get out of the toxicity. So it is what it is what it is. So because there's not healing and growth and maybe counseling and how to process, it just gets stuffed or it gets acted out. So it just kind of lays there and lays dormant. So then we become an adult. This is what the unconscious part of the brain does. The unconscious part of the brain says, you know that pain that we couldn't deal with when we were younger? Well, we are gonna unpack that today in current time because we're gonna try to heal that old wound in current time. What does that look like? I'm gonna use the example of the dad who drinks 10 beers a day. So 25 years old comes along. You're saying to yourself, I'm glad I'm out of that house. That 10 beers a day and all that fighting was so stressful. Wow, I'm glad I made it out alive. And then the unconscious brain says, well, we didn't manage that pain back then. So now we're gonna recreate it in our current relationships to try to heal that old wound in current time. So obviously you don't marry your father, but you might find someone that has a lot of similar qualities as your father. Let's call him John. You start dating John. John drinks five beers a day, sometimes seven. John's a really fun person when he's drinking, just like your dad was. So then you get in the relationship and the unconscious part of the brain says this. Now, I know I couldn't get dad to put the drinks down, but I bet with love and affection and caring in my beautiful heart, I can get John to put the drinks down. And then what happens is it's that same rocky road, ups and downs, ups and downs, but there's a kin attraction because it feels so familiar. And because it feels familiar, the brain says, ding, 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 this is a match. We can heal this old wound in current time. So then you get in a relationship, whether you're dating or where you get married, and then you end up re-injuring yourselves over and over and over. And if there's children involved, then the brain says, we couldn't do it with our love, but I bet this child coming into our lives will be a perfect triangle of love. And we couldn't get dad to put the beers down. We couldn't get John to put the beers down, but I bet this child will help put the beers down. And then you can only imagine how that goes. It's rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, because that pattern feels familiar. If you've ever had a girlfriend or a friend that you're like, what are you doing in that relationship? That is so toxic. It's so unhealthy. He treats you horribly. She's awful to you. What are you doing? The reason why they stay is because their unconscious brain is trying to heal old wounds in current time over and over and over because it didn't know what to do with it when it was seven. So now at 27, it recreates it with the name of John. Now, sometimes it's a little sneaky because it might not be they drink 10 beers a day, but they might work 14 to 16 hours a day and they might be emotionally unavailable. Do you see how that emotional unavailability seems familiar? to the person who was having 10 beers a day because it's just a different addiction, but it's still a way to buffer and get away from that vulnerability of that relationship. So that's why it feels familiar to that person. So then you're drawn to people that are like your parents or like your mom or like your dad and that emotional unavailability feels familiar. And then the brain says, well, we couldn't get our dad to show up or our mom to show up, but we can get this person to show up. 
And then when that doesn't happen, we say, well, we'll use our kids as a pawn to heal that old wound in current time because we couldn't get John to show up. We couldn't get our mom to show up. We couldn't get our dad to show up. But this child, they will show up for this child. Then you use your child as a pawn because it's all happening unconsciously to try to heal that old wound in current time. And then you end up re-injuring yourselves, the person who's doing the injuring, because that feels very familiar to them too, just in a different way. Remember, they either act it out or they stuff it. And so you could easily be the person that drinks the 10 beers a day to repeat that old cycle to heal that old wound in current time. So when you see people in relationships or you see yourself in these relationships, you can put the brakes on and see what you're trying to heal in current time and then heal it separate outside of the relationship and not use your relationship as a pawn, as a tool. Dr. Shafali, she said one time, she said, you know, people pleasers are very selfish. And Brooke says they're liars. And I was like, wait, what? And she said, because a people pleaser is always going to be drawn to a narcissist because they're both trying to get old wounds healed in current time and using each other as a pawn, almost like a beggar. And so it's the yin for the yang, the frick and the frack, and they're a perfect match because they're trying to heal that old wound in current time. And what happens is then you break up with John because you're like, well, this is toxic. This isn't working. I got to get out of this relationship. And then you fall in love and that spark is connected, but now his name is Patrick. And he might not be addicted to alcohol, but he might be addicted to work, or he might be emotionally unavailable, or he might be that back and forth of break up, get back together, break up, get back together, or there might be cheating involved. And the brain says the same thing. Because what happens is you're trying to get your worthiness and your value and your fulfillment and using someone else to do your work. When that is an inside job, it's not their job because guess what they have? They have their own childhood pain and trauma and stress and anguish and things that they went through that we have no idea about. And I use the example too of verbal abuse. Verbal abuse is not something that has a, you know, 10 beers a day, that's very clean cut. You can say, okay, that is an issue with alcohol I don't want to be involved with. But sometimes the verbal abuse can be just name calling when we're a child. And then you grow up and you think, oh, that's normal to be called out of my name, or that's normal to be called a curse word, or that's normal to be yelled at. Okay, so I'll grow up and I'll either find a yeller or I'll become the yeller because that feels familiar. And then the same thing happens. The unconscious part of the brain says, I couldn't get mom or dad to stop yelling, but you know what? I'm gonna get my spouse to stop yelling at me because it feels familiar to either be the yeller or to be drawn towards the yeller. The same thing happens. Just rinse, repeat, plug and play, take away the 10 beers and add in yelling. And then you can't get spouse to stop yelling or you can't stop yelling. This is not done with a mean heart. This is not done with an abusive mentality. This is not done with awful intentions. This is all done unconsciously. And so when you can give yourself grace and compassion that it's your brain's way of trying to heal an old wound in current time, it's like, Eureka, I got it. And once you get it, then you can stop it. You can have some empowerment over it and take control of the raffia, take control of the reins. And so the yelling situation, when you were younger, if you were yelled at, if you were name called, if you remember, those are all opinions they had about themselves projected onto you, but you took it as fact because you didn't know any different because you don't know any different. Just like your kids don't know. If you had 10 beers a day, your kids have no idea if that's the problem or if that's normal or that's not normal. If you yell all day, they don't know if that's normal. They just think that that's what happens. I should be yelled at. So then if you were yelled at a lot, if you were name called a lot, if you were called out of your name, if there was door slamming, if there was punching of walls, if there was spanking, then guess what? You grow up, you either become the yeller or you think it's okay to be yelled at or you do a combination of both. And then you say to yourself, 
Well, I couldn't get my dad to stop yelling. I couldn't get my mom to stop yelling. I'm going to get my spouse to stop yelling. I'm going to stop yelling. And then you say that didn't work. You end up re-injuring yourself. And then the child comes into the world and you say the same thing, just like with the 10 beers. Well, I couldn't get dad to stop yelling. I couldn't get my spouse to stop yelling. I can't stop yelling. So now this child will come in and heal all the wounds in current time because clearly we won't yell at this child because we know how awful it felt. You would never yell at the child because you knew how awful it felt when it was happening as a kid. And then the child raspberries at you or slams the door or doesn't listen. And that's when you become unhinged and then pass it on to your children, which I know in my heart of hearts that you don't want that because I hear so many times from so many of you, I was yelled at, I was name called, I was hit as a child and it felt awful. And I see myself turning into that same parent and I'm devastated by that, but I don't know how to change. And so that's why awareness is key. Learning new strategies, breaking the cycle. It's very empowering because like I always say, and I got this from Dr. Laura, you have two chances at the parent-child relationship. The first one, it was a soul contract. You came into this world and it was already decided for you. You had your lessons, you had your pain, you had your struggles, you had your joy, you had your happiness. You had all the things that happened to you when you were a child that were supposed to happen to you. And then guess what? When you decide to have children of your own, you get to right the wrongs and you get to do the things right to keep doing the things that are right. That felt good when you were a kid. So being the parent to your child now that you needed when you were younger is part of the reparenting process. You didn't have control. You didn't have a say. You didn't have perspective. You didn't have a wherewithal. And either did your parents. So it's a way to let go and seeing the way they thought about you was really the way they thought about themselves projected onto you. And so if we have a say in this parent-child relationship, what do you think we should work on ourselves first? How we think about ourselves, how we treat ourselves, how we talk to ourselves, because that's what you're going to project onto your kids. Do you see how you can break the cycle? It's so glorious. And then you're breaking the cycle and then you're passing on this healthy relationship and this healthy mentality onto your own children. So then they repeat it because they don't know any different because they don't know any different. And then you can have all the love and compassion and grace for your parents, not coming from a victim standpoint, but from Victoria's standpoint of like, they did the best job that they could with the skills that they had. And now I'm gonna do the best job that I can with the skills that I have through this podcast, through reading books, through doing the parenting boot camp, through doing the inner child work, from doing the reparenting work. And I don't want you to think that there's a destination to this. It's a journey every single stinking honking day to show up and be B minus because then you allow your children to have that same freedom and they get to question everything. And you get to say, this is one way we do this, but this is not the only way. You will let them think about their thinking when they're younger. This is the way we do it. Next door, they do something different and they're both right. Different doesn't mean wrong, but you kind of get their eyes opening to question everything and not be brainwashed and not be conditioned and not just think that this is the one and only way because they don't know any different. You actually show them the other ways that they're very different and they're all awesome. And you get to choose. There's so many paths to your future. There's so many paths to happiness. There's so many ways to do it. And there is no right, one right way because then their thinking is so linear that they have to do all the things. And if they don't follow the linear path, then that means that something's wrong with them because they're gonna use something external to validate their worthiness and their value. When they know that that was given to them the day that they were born and everything else is just fun, then they kind of 
loosened up and they're not putting so much pressure on themselves because you're not putting so much pressure on yourself. Because one of my greatest blunders as a new parent is I was so afraid of messing it up. I remember holding Lily and Grady in the hospital going, you can't mess this up. You worked this hard to get pregnant. You better not mess this up, girl. That was all happening unconsciously. Think about how much fun I was as a parent. I was so afraid of messing it up. So I was parenting from that fear-based place and that's where I was messing it up. So with B minus work, you're like, yeah, I'm going to mess it up a little bit. And that's okay because I can't mess up love. What would love do is the question in all things. And then you're just on this ride and you're both leaves floating in the wind and you take the pressure off yourself. You work on the way you talk to yourself, the way you treat yourself, the way you feed yourself, the way you move yourself, the way you meditate yourself, your self-care, the amount of sleep you're getting. And then you can project that all into your kids. Because when you see the goodness in yourself, then you can see the goodness in your kids. And then they get in alignment with who they are and they spread their wings and fly and you just cheer them away. And that cheering and that clapping and that love fans their wings because it creates so much air beneath their wings that it's literally like the Bette Midler song and you are the wind beneath their wings. And then they feel comfortable to do B minus work and spread their wings and fly and question everything and know that this is one path, but there's not just one path. There's a million paths. And then when they become parents, if they decide to become parents, that's their second chance at the parent-child relationship. And you've set the tone and you've created this blueprint of love. So when they go out and recreate their old wounds in current time, their old wounds won't be so deep. They won't be these deep rivers of pain because they'll know things like yelling is never okay. Hitting is never okay. Spanking is never okay. Name calling someone else is never okay. 10 beers a day, that's not okay. And so when they're drawn into their adult relationships, they're gonna find healthy relationships because that's all they know. And they're not gonna be drawn towards toxicity. And then when they are in a toxic relationship or in a place where someone is yelling at them or drinking 10 beers a day or swatting them or hitting them and saying it's for their own good or punching a wall, they're gonna say, you know what? This feels so unfamiliar and so awful that I'm gonna exit stage left. This isn't really work for me. This isn't a match. So it might still happen that they're getting relationships like that, but they're going to be able to exit quicker and faster because it feels so unfamiliar to them. So we're really setting the blueprint for them because when I talk to moms, I'll say, what drew you to your current partner? And it's usually because it feels familiar. And that's okay because you didn't know any different. Now you know different and going forward, your relationships with your children, you know you're setting the blueprint, this emotional laboratory of love, of what love looks like, what love feels like, what you should expect, what feels familiar, and you're creating a brand new blueprint. If you like the blueprint you came from, recreate that and add your own pizzazz. If you didn't like it, create a new blueprint and add your own pizzazz. If it was a little bit of both, then like Facts of Life, that song from that show, Facts of Life, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the Facts of Life, and you get to create whatever blueprint you want. So you know that you're creating your future in-laws if they decide to get married, your future daughter-in-law, your future son-in-law, if that's a choice that they decide to make, because it's all they know, because it's all they know. So that conditioning and that programming and that brainwashing that always happens for every child because they don't know any different is set to default mode that anything they choose within that range is gonna be a match for them and a match for the other person too, because they're gonna be on the same vibration, the same wavelength, and it's gonna feel familiar for both of them. So I think that's part of our greatest work is creating that blueprint now because they don't know any different and then they're just drawn towards it unconsciously and that's okay because unconsciously they're drawn to healthy love and not toxic love. 
So I really, really hope this helped. Understanding how our brain works, understanding the unconscious brain, understanding how we're always trying to heal old wounds in current time. Then you'll see yourself not be so triggered. And when you are triggered, you're like, oh, thank you, Trigger, for teaching me about an old wound that I didn't even know was there. I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to learn through it. Not through this relationship, not through yelling, not through screaming, but seeing what's there. And then it loosens its power over you. And you're not seeing red for no reason. So they always say there's so much power in that pause. Because in that pause, between their action and your reaction, that's where all the pain comes from. And that's where all the pain lives. And when you can acknowledge it, you can be like, oh, that's the seven-year-old self in me having a temper tantrum at 27. Oh, okay, I see you. I hear you. I love you. And then you can say that same thing to your child. I see you. I hear you. And I love you. Because love will always win. And when love is the driving force, then love will prevail in all of their relationships going forward. I hope this was helpful. I hope this was meaningful. Please let me know if it was. And I will continue to share to show you and show myself that we can do hard things. I love you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas. Thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting boot camp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.